You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the Back Home Network covering IU women's basketball. This is our 110th episode recorded on Thursday, February 29th, 2024. I'll be your host this evening, Jeff Marlowe. My co-host, Kathy Amos, is back from vacation, but she's under the weather tonight. So you get just me here on the podcast tonight and hope you enjoy the ride. I'm here to break down your number 14 slash 12 Indiana Hoosiers, 84 to 64 win over the Northwestern Wildcats on Tuesday evening. That victory brings their record to 23 and four overall, 14 and three in the big 10 and as usual we'll start this broadcast with every as we do with every broadcast with our hoosier proud banner moment and i'm going to go back to the very first bucket that mckenzie holmes had on tuesday evening mckenzie holmes first basket gave her 2349 points passing steve offered to move into second place all time on the indiana scoring list she now only trails calbert cheney on that list. So congratulations, Mackenzie, on as you keep moving up the list of all-time greats at Indiana. And our banner moment is brought to you by Homefield Apparel, presenting sponsor of the Back Home Network, which includes Assembly Call and Crimson Cast. Homefield is constantly releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing line. You're bound to find something for you or anyone in your life that just loves great collegiate gear. And if you haven't seen, they've also dropped some NASCAR gear, some Hendrick Motorsport gear as well. So you don't necessarily have to be into college sports. If you like some NASCAR, some Hendrick, you can find it there as well. Not only do you get quality apparel, but you are supporting an Indiana-based business that has its roots in the Kelly School of Business. So go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME. That's HOME23, H-O-M-E-2-3, to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME23 for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. And we're going to go around the news here a little bit today. And over the last week or so, since we were last on with you, um, Mackenzie Holmes was named to the Ann Myers Drysdale USBWA, United States Basketball Writers Association National Player of the Year watch list. Uh, Mackenzie Holmes and Sarah Scotty were named to the Women's College All-Star Game Player Watch List. Unfortunately for our Hoosiers, Ohio State clinches the Big Ten title outright already, even though they still have to go to Iowa City on Sunday. They have clinched the league title at 16-1 and with one game to play. The Big Ten tournament in Minneapolis is completely sold out for the tournament up, in, up there next week. Congratulations to the Big Ten and to all the women who've made it possible and the teams who've made it possible for fans who want to come watch at the Big Ten Tournament. Terry Morin today was announced, was named head coach of the U18 U.S. Junior National Team. 
Uh, Caitlin Clark, late this afternoon, Caitlin Clark announced that she will be foregoing her final season in Iowa City. She could come back next year if she'd wanted to, COVID year, but she announced today she will be declaring for the WNBA, and the Indiana Fever have the number one draft pick. It is widely assumed that they will use that pick on Caitlin Clark. Would remind our listeners and our audience here, the workaholics, nothing guaranteed. You could always draft somebody else. You could trade the pick, but it is, again, widely assumed that they will use that pick on Caitlin Clark and will you know and that will get her as a teammate with our own Grace Berger as well as Aaliyah Boston who was the number 1 pick last season. The NCAA also tonight at 5:30 Central Time 6:30 Eastern on ESPN released the top 16 um, teams or seeds for the NCAA tournament. This is the last time they'll do this before the NCAA bracket reveal on Selection Sunday. Uh, three Big Ten teams in the top 16. Ohio State number two, Iowa number seven, Indiana was number 14. Indiana actually moved up a spot from the previous reveal, even though that they'd lost to Illinois. So it does make you wonder a little bit how much they could have possibly moved up had they beat Illinois and, and Iowa. But again, you can make the argument that they may not have played as well against Iowa if they hadn't gotten focused and 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 gotten back into the locker room and got together uh, and and pulled together and pulled in the same direction after that loss at Illinois. IU would be in a regional with the following teams. Stanford would be the one seed. Texas would be the two seed. And North Carolina State would be the three seed if all four teams advanced to the regional. That regional would actually be in Portland, Oregon. And so, again, on seeding line, those four teams would be advancing to the regional in the Sweet 16. So we'll look at that part of the news. Uh, we're going to give you my final, my uh, my initial thoughts about the game on Tuesday. Uh, I thought the Hoosiers came out with a really good game plan. They were going to, you know, they were going to look to get shots when they could get them early. I thought Yarden Garzon was was looking to be aggressive. They also were, you know, were willing to go inside to Mackenzie Holmes. And we're going to talk a lot about Mac a little bit later in the episode. Uh, but I thought the game plan was pretty good. I thought Northwestern played pretty well. I thought Northwestern had a, had a decent game plan as well. Um, they got a really great effort, uh, from Mulaney Daly. Uh, uh, and I think if anybody watched the, the game on TV, you knew it was Daly's birthday because they remind you of that about 15 times, but she did have a nice game. I thought they, they stayed with it. Um, I was a little worried about this game, not necessarily from a win loss perspective, but again, this is a game that you really need to go out and get a good win for the net and for that seed reveal that we didn't know was going to be what was before today. Um, so I thought they, I thought they played pretty well. They, you know, they got it through the first half with a 10 point lead and then they really took over in the third quarter. And in fact, the third quarter was so well played that basically, uh, coach Moore was able to set almost all of her starters, the entire fourth quarter. McKenzie Holmes did not play a single second in the fourth quarter. And when you look at the minutes, the most minutes anybody played was Chloe Moore McNeil with 27 uh, Yarden only played 23 minutes. Uh, Sydney Parrish got 25 minutes, but again, trying to work Sydney back in from her injury probably was not a bad thing to get her a couple extra minutes there as well. So I thought the team really did everything they wanted to do. They got a nice win, got out of there, the chance to still, at that point, they were still had a chance for the share of the Big Ten title. And then also, 
to come back home for senior day. Also, we'll probably should have had this in the news. Senior day, it was announced. It was announced a little about a week or so ago too, but we didn't make big mention of it. But right now, the only three seniors being honored at senior day on Sunday will be uh, Sarah Scalia, Mackenzie Holmes, and Ariel Wisney. Uh, Chloe Moore McNeil has not made a decision. This came out again today. It was actually talked about a week or so ago. Chloe Moore McNeil has not made a decision. She's still trying to decide whether she's going to come back and use her COVID year or not, but she is not going through senior day. Now, in the past, this has been one of those where if somebody didn't go through senior day, that was kind of the signal that they were going to come back uh, pretty definitely. Because if you had any, you know, if you were on the fence about coming back, then you were, you know, the, the idea was you'd still go ahead through senior day, give your speech, all that. And that way, if you decide not to come back, you at least got that last opportunity in front of the fans. Again, we can't totally read that into what Chloe's thinking, but that's kind of been what's happened in the past. If you go back a couple of years ago, Grace Berger waited really almost to the last day to announce that she was coming back for her for her extra year. Mackenzie Holmes was pretty adamant once she announced it, but she she kind of waited until the last moments. And I think part of that maybe also is if you're coming back, you're trying not to steal some of the thunder away from the from the ones who are going through it, who can't come back. And and with those three, so. We'll wait and see if we get an announcement about Chloe uh, tomorrow, Saturday. Again, we're recording this on Thursday evening, Saturday, or maybe sometime Sunday afterwards, after all the festivities, maybe Chloe will have an announcement or something will be put out by the by the basketball program. But anyway, so that will be on Sunday as well. Um, we're going to move into some pivotal plays here. And I will say this, I watching the game on Tuesday night, there were not a ton of just specific plays that stood out to me. Um, it was more about the way they just played. And if you watched really through the first quarter and the second quarter, Indiana's kind of steadily built the lead. They didn't really jump out get a huge lead, 15, 20 points, and then Northwestern made a run. They kind of steadily pulled away. Um, at the end of the first quarter, it was 26-21. Uh, and then Indiana used a little 7-0 run, 7-2 run, excuse me, jumped out to 33-23 lead in the middle of the second quarter. Um, they led 43-33 at the half. But it was that third quarter where they really were able to sustain a nice run um, they did that one point in the third quarter, they went off on a, I believe it was a 16 to 0 run that allowed them to push the lead out beyond, you know, to 20 and a little beyond. And then it really just kind of comfortably stayed there. In fact, at one point it got up to as much as 26, I believe it was 71, uh, to 45 at the end of the third quarter. So it was 26. And then, like I said, we played the bench a ton in the fourth quarter and I was really happy to see that. I, I to me, that was, you know, again, not a specific play, but I thought pivotal because you were able to get some of your key players some rest in a game late in the season. Like I said, Mackenzie Holmes didn't play uh, the entire third quarter. Um, nobody played more than 27 minutes. We got 16 minutes for Lily, 15 minutes for Lene, 15 minutes for Jules. Um, and so I thought that was important. And late in the season, that can be really good because you're saving some legs. And again, they don't play. They didn't play right away. Again, they didn't have to turn around and play on Friday or Saturday. They get a lot to rest until Sunday. And then at this point, they're going to be a double buy. So they won't play again until Friday. So right now I'm really believing that this rest is really going to come in handy. And again, everybody's going to get some rest here before the big 10 tournament starts. But the, the fact that, Players like McKenzie, players like Sarah, players like Yard didn't have to run up down the floor for 34, 35 minutes at Northwestern on a Tuesday night. 
I think is, is, is pivotal. My, again, not specific a play, but I think it's pivotal to what was going on. Um, and from that standpoint. So again, I, I, and, and again, I don't have a lot of specific plays that I was going to point out. I just thought that overall it was just a nice steady progression of how the game was going for, uh, the Hoosiers on Tuesday night from that standpoint. So again, you can point out, you know, you look at some of the things we did not shoot the three. Well, um, but we shot the ball. We got to the line shot, made free throws, um, shot the ball overall really well going back to that third quarter. You know, you know, we were 10 for 14, 71%. So again, you can just see how well the team got locked in, especially coming out of halftime. And I thought that that, you know, that really was where the game was, was pivotal because you took it basically from a 10 point lead out to 26. So kudos to the ladies on a fine performance in the third quarter from that standpoint um, with it. So again, don't have a ton of pivotal plays, but let's move on to the notable numbers. Uh, and let's start with some of the team macro type numbers. IU outscored Northwestern 46 to 26 in the paint. Uh, they got 11 points off of nine Northwestern turnovers. And again, that's always a key stat for me as a former coach. Can you get more than a point per turnover? Because that means you're, those are usually live ball turnovers that you're converting. Sometimes easily, sometimes it comes into a little more of a, you know, uh, you got to make a couple passes to convert it. But I thought that uh, anytime you're converting one one point or more on turnover like that, that's a that's a big thing. And Indiana led that stat 11 to six uh, on second chance points. Indiana was 15 to four. All right. And even though IU got scored off the bench, 39, 23, we got 23 points of production off the bench. So I, I thought, again, the kids who play, came in off the bench, Jules, Lene, Lexi Bargesser, um, Lily Meister especially really played well and gave us good, solid quality minutes after a game, especially against Iowa, where um, that game you really had to rely on the starters quite a bit. You know, they played uh, they played a lot of minutes. So I thought those were notable numbers in the macro. Um, obviously, the key number, you know, off, uh, on another big macro number, Indiana was plus 14 on the glass. And this is a team that earlier in the year, Kathy and I talked a lot about, and really over the last couple of years, that in games where they've struggled, they've, they've had issues rebounding. And there were games earlier this year where even though we may have been even or a little ahead on the rebounding, we were giving up a lot of offensive rebounds. Only gave up six offensive rebounds to Northwestern on Tuesday. And again, we're plus 14 overall. And again, this team's rebounding has gotten a lot better since Christmas, at least on the number side. I'm not saying that we can necessarily see it in the film per se, the blockouts are better or anything like that. But what I think is better is the hustle to go after the rebound, especially on the defensive glass. I don't think there's as much standing around and watching as there was, especially prior to Christmas from that standpoint. Um, and so that number of 41.27 in Indiana has been steadily coming up the numbers in the conference in terms of rebound margin. They, you know, they started out, they were more in the bottom third of the league when we kind of did the, you know, buy or sell episode earlier in the season and you know, around the Christmas time, uh, New Year's time. And they've steadily moved up now to, you know, kind of middle of the pack. Um, nationally, their, their rebound rate and ranking and rebound rate has moved up. So everything about the rebounding has been better 
for the most part uh, here in the last half of the season. Um, from that standpoint, Indiana shot 53% for the game. Uh, they were, you know, they were seven for 21 from three, only 33%. Uh, but they did shoot 13 of 17, 77% at the free throw line. So again, another good night at the free throw line for, um, the Hoosiers is again, that number has, has steadily improved as well. It was another number that earlier when we talked about in the buy or sell episode where Indiana, I think was like 12th or 13th, maybe when we talked about it in free throw percentage and they've steadily moved up again, they're not in the top three or four, but they've steadily moved up to where it's now respectable. And it's not, it's not kind of an Achilles heel as you go deeper into the season from that standpoint. So those are some of the notable numbers I wanted to look at. Um, Indiana did have 14 turnovers. Again, coach Moore has always talked about 12 kind of being her target. So not far off of that. Uh, and this team has been a little above that. This team, it's, it's the one thing I think coach Moore can't quite get her finger on is why they tend to turn it over 14, 15, 16 times a game. Um, whereas, you know, in the past, they've been pretty good about, being right around that 11 or 12 mark, but they've been able to overcome it. You know, again, this is a team that's 23 and four. You know, we, we sometimes forget that we've gotten a little bit, we've gotten used to them winning and we, so we start kind of nitpicking at some things. I think most teams would be, you know, be willing to live with the 14 that they're in uh, uh, and, and battling through. So uh, they also had 17 assists on the 32 made baskets. A lot of that mainly because when they did get it inside, especially to Mac, Mac not necessarily had to work hard, but she had to make a move or two, you know, an up and under, uh, a, jab, a step one way, come back the other way with a reverse. So Maydot got counted as an assist because the official scorer would have thought she was making too much of it from herself rather than the direct pass. But again, over half their baskets were assisted on. And that's a number that this group has continuously been pretty good at from that standpoint. So those are some of the numbers I wanted to look at here when we talk about the notable numbers. And we're going to move on into game ball. Um, yeah, game ball here. You know, I see some of you talking in the workaholics along with Kathy, who has joined us in, a, and she just wasn't up to feeling to go on the show tonight, but appreciate Kathy being in the workaholics with us tonight. Um, yeah, there's a few players we could talk about here. I mean, I thought, you know, Sarah Scalia didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but I thought she played hard. I thought, and I thought she, and I thought she was doing what, you know, the things that she should be doing just wasn't converting on the offensive end. Uh, Sydney Parrish again, 11 points, 10 rebounds, um, with that. So I thought that, you know, Sydney could have been in the discussion. Lily Meister came off the bench in 16 minutes. She had 10 points, um, from that stand, you know, from there. And when you look at our two post players, Mackenzie Holmes and Lily Meister, it just ridiculously efficient on Tuesday night, the two combined for 15 of 17 from the field. I mean, when you're getting that kind of efficiency from your post players, you, you've got something really good going. But tonight, the game ball, and Kathy and I texted a little bit about this before I went on the air. We were agreeing with this. The game ball here, we're going to go with Mackenzie Holmes on this, and I'll pull up the uh, the uh, scroll here at the bottom for those of you who are watching on the YouTube live feed. And you can see that Mackenzie already leads the uh, – Game ball award with 12 coming into the night. This is going to make number 13 for her. Uh, Sarah has five, Sydney three, Yarden three, and Chloe Moore McNeil with three. But you look at McKenzie's stat line, 28 points on 12 of 13 shooting, nine rebounds. 
Um, she was just she was just shy of a double double. She had two assists, two blocks, and a steal, and only committed one turnover in the 24 minutes that she played. And again, I've told you before, I like the stat, but I I recognize and I'm honest enough to recognize that it is a flawed stat in some ways. But she was plus 27 in plus minus. So she had an outstanding night on the floor. And I think so. I think Mackenzie Holmes was by far going to be uh, our game ball, at least for Kathy and I. And as watching some of you in the in the workaholics here a little bit, I saw some you know mentions here for uh, for Mac for game ball as well. And stand and from that standpoint, so Mackenzie Holmes will jump up to number thirteen on the game ball award, leading for the season uh, as she gets another game ball tonight. Let's move on to the Grace Berger Hardest Worker Award. And again, for those of you watching on the live YouTube feed, you can see the scroll at the bottom. And this is one that we've had, you know, it's been fun with this award this year because we've had so many different players win it and so many different players in the conversation. Right now, Lexi Bargesser leads with six, Sydney Parrish with five, uh, Mackenzie Holmes with five as well. Chloe Moore McNeil, four, Sarah Scalia, two, Lene Beaumont, two, Louis Meister and Yarden Garzon with one each on the Grace Burger Hardest Worker. And again, I think there's a number of different ways you could have gone here. I saw some of you in the workaholics uh, talking about Lene and Jules, uh, and especially for Jules. Jules had eight points on three of five shooting, four rebounds. Uh, she did have two turnovers. But in 15 minutes, I thought she was very efficient. And, and I still believe Jules has a very bright future for this Indiana team, this Indiana program. Again, she's been having to play behind some vets and some players who are all Big Ten caliber players. And so it's hard sometimes for her to, A, find the minutes, and B, when she does get minutes, to really get into a rhythm. I thought Lene played okay on Tuesday night. She wasn't, you know, she wasn't at her best. Um, and I think partially, I think a little bit, you know, she had a big fan uh, section there because she's from Bennett Academy and, and, and not far from the Northwestern campus. So I'm sure there was some nerves and wanting to almost feeling I got to play well, but I thought Lene did some good things. She had two rebounds. Uh, two assists and a steal um, from that standpoint. Unfortunately, she didn't scratch, scratch the scoring column. Um, but Jules, I forgot to say, Jules had eight points. I can't remember if I said she had the eight points. But then you looked at somebody, again, I mentioned Sarah Scalia earlier, but this is where we're gonna, I'm going to go with the award tonight. I saw some of you in the workaholics talking, and, and Kathy and I were unanimous about this in our text before I went on the show. We're going to go with Sydney Parrish tonight for the Game Ball Award, excuse me, for the Hardest Worker Award. Because Sydney Parrish coming back, second game back, starting from her injury, and she had 11 points on four of 10 shooting. She had 10 rebounds, and I thought that was really where she was active. And she played some really solid defense, but even the rebounds she did get, there were two or three others that she had a hand on that she kept alive for somebody else to get. So Sydney Parrish gets had a double double, 11 points, 10 rebounds. She had three assists, um, and she had a steal in 25 minutes. So Sydney Parrish is going to get our Grace Berger Hardest Worker Award for the Northwestern game, and that's going to bring her up into a tie with first with six with uh, Lexi Bargesser, which is interesting. The, Lexi Bargesser and her are tied for the Grace Berger Hardest Worker, which seems how Lexi, you know, kind of got really the benefit of, of Sid's injury. We don't want anybody to be hurt, but I think Lexi probably benefited the most with the extra playing time and some of the confidence that she's built up. And again, you look at Lexi's numbers on Tuesday night, two points, 
two rebounds. She struggled a little bit. She had four fouls, but she had two assists and a steal. So again, Lexi Bargesser, again, kind of back into that role that we thought she'd play a lot of this year. But you can just also see there's a little bit more confidence in her as she steps out on the floor in those roles. So again, congratulations to Sydney Parrish for winning tonight's Grace Berger, hardest worker of the game. Um, also, we will want to keep you updated on some Mac watch or what we're referring to as record watch. Now, uh, McKenzie Holmes with those 28 points against Northwestern now is, uh, has, I uh, find it here, 2,364 points for her career. She trails Talbert Cheney by 148. Now, it's going to take some – she's got to play well. We're going to have to get a deep run, both of the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament. She probably, you know, counting the Maryland game on, on Sunday, you're probably figuring about six games if, we're, if we can, to, you know, two, maybe seven if we get, if we get three games in the Big Ten tournament, the, the quarterfinal game on Friday, the semi on Saturday and get to the final on Sunday, and then hopefully make a, a run into the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight or farther in the NCAA tournament. But the far, the more games she gets, the more chance there is. Again, still going to take a lot, but she's 148 points behind Calvert Chain on the all-time list in Indiana scoring. Uh, Sarah Scalia on Tuesday, Sarah Scalia hit three threes, bringing her season total to 87. She's 20 shy of Steve Alford's season mark of 107, uh, which he set back in 1987. Hard to believe that Steve Alford, all the way back in 1987, still has the single-season three-point record for the men. Um, and then Sarah Scalia also had 11 points on Tuesday. That brings her career total to 1,897. She needs 103 points to get to 2,000 for her career. Again, not out of the realm of possibility. You would like to think they will get at least five games. And Sarah's quite capable of averaging about 20 points a game over that. So uh, quite, you know, quite uh, realistic for Sarah to get to that 2000 point mark. And again, that's a combination of points uh, between Minnesota and here. So that updates us on record watch. Oh, oh I'll go back to Mac real quick. I forgot to mention these. Uh, Kathy would be mad at me if I didn't. Um, she had, uh, those nine rebounds now uh, take her to 965 for her career. She needs five more to move into fourth place all time on the rebound list. And she and the uh, two block shots take her up to 248 for her career. She needs 21 blocks to become the all time leader in block shots. And again, hard to tell per se, but again, with about maybe six, seven games that you know, she might get in, she's going to have to average about three blocks a game. Again, not out of the possibility, but again, she's only been basically averaging about one and a half for the season uh, this year. So again, it's just one of those um, that you know, just, it was a long way for her to go to get there to begin with. So that's our record watch tonight for Mac and Sarah. And then also want to remind you about our, the next game we'll be back here for is Sunday. And hopefully Kathy will be feeling better. This is a, this is a little harder. I thought it'd be Kathy to, to try and be producer and host. Um, the uh, Hoosiers will be in action on Sunday. They will host Maryland for senior day at Simon Scott assembly hall. 
that game is at three Eastern, two Central. All the Big Ten teams are playing on Sunday. And I really want to say, I like this, what the Big Ten's done here. That, because especially when you consider if it really was coming down to the last day for the Big Ten title. But there's also seeing involved. We don't, there's a lot of movement outside of the top three. And even Indiana's involved in this a little bit. We'll get into this in a second. Um, but I like how the Big Ten's doing this. They're basically, everybody's playing on the same day. And near enough the same times, it's going to be really hard to kind of manipulate where you want to try and finish and how you do with this. Now, the one question I do have a little bit is, Ohio State is clinched. Will they play their, you know, their their top players the entire game going for the win at Iowa? Or will they be, or will they kind of see how it goes? And if they get behind the second half, will they try to rest them a little bit, knowing they have the number one seed clinched from that standpoint? So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, anyway, back to the IU game with Maryland. Maryland, that game is on Peacock. Uh, the Terrapins defeated Wisconsin tonight. Um, so they improved to uh, eight and nine in the Big Ten. Um, or excuse me, nine and eight. Sorry, I was reading it wrong. Nine and eight in the Big Ten uh, and 17 and 11 overall. Uh, Charlie Cream currently has them as an 11 seed, one of the last four in um, for Maryland before tonight. His new bracket reveal will be probably tomorrow morning around nine o'clock Eastern. Uh, Brenda Freeze is the head coach for Maryland. They're led by three players in double figures. Cheyenne Sellers at 15.4 per game. She's eighth in the league six rebounds a game and 5.4 assists per game, which puts her fish. Cheyenne Sellers, definitely an all league caliber player for the Terrapins. Uh, Ja'Kia Brown Turner averages 13.6 a game, uh, 6.1 rebounds and 1.7 assists. And Bree McDaniel averages 12.9 points per game, 3.8 rebounds per game and three assists per game uh, for that. Um, for the for the Terrapins on the team stats, Maryland averages just under 79 points a game, which is sixth in the league. But they're giving up 73.6. They're giving up almost 74 a game. That's 13th in the league. Uh, it's been the one thing that has been kind of a head scratcher with this Maryland team, who's been known for being a pretty solid defensive team over the years, and how they just really struggled to top stop some teams from scoring. We hope this continues on Sunday. Um, but to give you, then they're about middle of the pack and some other things. They're seventh in field goal percentage at just under 45%. They hold their opponents to at 44%, which is sixth in the league. Um, they make 36% of the three-point field goals, which is fifth in the league. They hold their opponents to 30% field three-point field goal percentage, which is fifth. They shoot 77% at the line, which is fifth. And, and they're plus 1.9 in rebounding, which is eighth in the league. And they're plus 1.4 on turnover margin, which is seventh. So you look at some of these stats and you're trying to figure out how is Maryland giving up 73, almost 74 points a game that ranks 13th in the league. Because you look at those stats and they're middle of the pack. Um, from that standpoint, but it is, you know, that you can't, the numbers are what they are. When you're 17 games sick, well, the stats are based on 16 games. You're 16 games into the big 10 season and you are 29 games into your total season. The numbers aren't pretty much, are not lying. You know, as we well, often joke in basketball, especially coaching ball doesn't lie at this point, the stats don't lie, lie really. There may be some anomalies, maybe some outliers, but not much is going to happen. That should totally surprise you at this point. Um, the her, on the her hoop stats website, they have IU rated ninth 
in the country. Maryland's 27th, which is actually a little above their net ranking. It's way above where Charlie Cream would have them in the bracketology. So it'll be very interesting to see if Maryland makes the tournament where the committee has them slotted. Uh, offensive efficiency, IU 7th, Maryland's 45th. In defensive efficiency, IU's 135th. Maryland's 263rd, goes back to what we were just talking about. On effective field goal percentage, IU is second, 59%. Maryland is 78th at 49.2%. On points per possession, IU is second at 1.02. Uh, Maryland is 51st, 0.88. Rebound rate, Indiana's 57th. Now, this may be the one place where Maryland, and we talked about positive rebounding margin, but they're 129th in rebound rate. So, again, it may be they're giving up a lot of second and third chance, uh, third chances on offensive rebounds. I use 14th in assists per game. Maryland's 34. So, again, record-wise, you're kind of looking at this like, oh, Indiana is a favorite, and they will be, but – can they sustain it or not sustain it? But yeah, this game could very well be closer than we think it would be on paper when you look at some of the numbers and crunch them a little bit. So, and then, so as we go around the big 10, kind of as we head into the last weekend uh, yesterday, again, we said this earlier, Michigan or excuse me, Ohio state defeated Michigan in Columbus, 67 51 to clinch the outright big 10 title. Uh, Iowa went up to Minnesota and won by a 108 to 60 score. Uh, Penn State went on the road to West Lafayette and beat Purdue 93 to 88 at Mackey. And then tonight, uh, Maryland won 79 63, as I mentioned already. Illinois and Michigan State are playing right now. Again, that game has some seeding implications because Michigan State battling for that four spot to be in the double bye. Um, on Sunday, these are what I think are the key games, not necessarily because they're great games, but because they hold seeding implications. Ohio State will be at Iowa. That's the first game of the day. That game is on Fox. So if you're interested in watching and tuning in before the IU game starts, Minnesota goes to Penn State. Now, Minnesota's struggling. And Minnesota is a, is a, is a hard luck's tale. Mara Braun getting hurt just absolutely devastated them because this was a team that Mara Braun that was probably going to be on the bubble for an NCAA tournament or and be in that mix for being a number six, seven team, maybe an eight team in the Big Ten. But they, with the loss of Mara Braun, they've really struggled to kind of put wins together. But again, Penn State had struggled before they went the last two, three games before they went into Purdue on uh, last night and won. Uh, but again, if Penn State can win, they got a chance to get a decent seed in the in the Big Ten tournament. Plus, definitely would get them a, at least a one a first round bye. Excuse me. Uh, Nebraska at Illinois. This is huge. Uh, Illinois is capable, as we saw a couple weeks ago when they beat Indiana and Champaign. Nebraska right now is holding on to the four seed. They need, they pretty much got to win. I don't know all the tie-breaking procedures, but if I'm Nebraska, you got to win to hold on to that number four and get the double bye. Michigan State goes to Wisconsin. Wisconsin's playing better. I'm not sure they got enough to beat Michigan State. But if Michigan State goes in there a little lackadaisical, they might get themselves in trouble. And again, Michigan State has to win and then go for the tie-breaking procedures because right now they're trailing, at least in going into the night, they're a half game behind Nebraska. So they, again, it's kind of a must-win for both teams if they want that number four seed. And even then, again, I don't know the tie-breaking procedures, so they may very well, you know, how that how that shapes out. But right now, must-wins if they want to be in the in that double bye. Um, and then Purdue will go to Michigan and Michigan right now at eight, and nine, uh, again, get to nine and nine. And again, depending on some tiebreakers, they could find themselves in maybe a six seed, um, 
from that standpoint, or a loss that sends them to eight and 10 might knock them down to like an eight or a nine seed. And, and with that, so again, a lot of seating implications in these games on Sunday, they not necessarily be marquee games, but in terms of the big 10 tournament seating, they'll be big again, go through the process here real quick. IU and Iowa, if they end up tied, which means Iowa would beat Ohio state on Sunday, Iowa has the tiebreaker. The tiebreaker would basically come down to how they went dead against you know, Ohio State. And Indiana lost their only matchup. They would be considered 0-1. And if Iowa can beat Ohio State, they would be 1-1. One one. So they would get the tiebreaker and be the three seed. If Ohio – or IU would be the three seed, Iowa would be the two. If Ohio State goes into Iowa City and beats Iowa on what's going to be Caitlin Clark Senior Day. That place is going to be absolutely nuts. So they're they're really going to be running into a buzzsaw there um, from that standpoint. So, but if I Ohio State can win, then Indiana's the two seed no matter what because they'll be one game up on Iowa. But right now the tiebreaker goes to the Hawkeyes if they end up tied. So as the Big Ten standings as of Earlier tonight, uh, kind of the top seven, eight that we were looking at, Ohio State, we mentioned, is all the way up to 16 and one. Indiana's 13 and three. Iowa's 13 and three. Nebraska's 11 and six. Um, Michigan State playing tonight. So right now, and I'm not being able to keep up with that score, they're 10 and six coming in tonight. Maryland's nine and eight. Michigan's eight and nine. Penn State, eight and nine. Those are the teams we're kind of keeping an eye on. Again, in the Big Ten tournament, anybody's dangerous, but right now you're kind of looking at if Indiana holds on to that. Right now, they, you know, they'd be the three seed. So you're looking possibly at Maryland again on Friday um, if the seeds hold on. Um, but again, things may change based on tiebreakers. So that's why we'll know more on Sunday by the time Kathy and I are on with the postgame show. Um, with that, so. Uh, trying to find my stuff here and I've been talking to you guys for about 40 minutes you're probably getting tired of me at this point but some final thoughts you know again the, not just the season but this game coming up a huge game uh you want to finish the season strong you want to get a win on senior day I mean uh, for every coach every fan you want to see your seniors go out on senior day with a win Mackenzie Holmes Sarah Scalia uh, Ariel Wisney, those three, you know, you want to send them out in the right way because you don't know for sure you'll get back to play a game. Again, we hope they'll be hosting, hope everything works out where they'll be a top four seed in the NCAA tournament and they'll host. Last right now, Charlie Cream, the seed would have them as a four seed. The seed revealed tonight had them as a four seed. They would host. Charlie Cream has had them there as a four seed over the last couple reveals uh, since the Iowa game with them hosting. And then Syracuse would be the five seed in that pod um who they've been playing has changed a couple different times but that would be the, the five seed would be syracuse out of the acc for, co coached by former indiana coach felicia leggett jack so there is a little bit of backstory with that and i wonder if there's a little bit if, if cream thinks that they're trying to he thinks the ncaa will try and get kind of a matchup like that with iu and syracuse based on that history there with felicia leggett jack having been at iu earlier before terry in fact it was there before uh, Kurt Miller, and then Kurt Miller left, and and Terry Morin came in. So a couple coaches a, a, ago. But uh, final thoughts: I thought the Hoosiers played well on Tuesday against Northwestern. They did exactly everything they knew. Now they got to come in on Sunday, take care of business, get a nice win, um, and a, and a nice win for me is any win. I, I don't get too much into margins of victory. I know the net does, but I'm not looking too much at margin of victory here. I just want to make sure we get a win because that way you get to 15 and three. 
I think I said IU's 13 and three earlier in the in, IU and I were both 14 and three in the league at this point. I missed up. I was looking, I was misreading my notes, but you know, you want to get to 15 and three in the league. Um, and you also just want to keep playing well and keeping improving uh, as the season goes along. And again, Terry Moore often talks about process. She talks about getting better every day. She talks obviously about doing, you know, do the work. And that's what this game comes down to. You just got to do the work and, and get out of there with a W, get everybody out healthy. Don't, you know, we don't want anybody injured, but get out of there healthy and move on to the big 10 tournament next, uh, next week in Minneapolis, where you'll definitely won't be playing until, until Friday in the big 10 tournament. Okay, so coming up, uh, our upcoming schedule, we will be back. Kathy will be back with me on Sunday afternoon, immediately after the uh, Maryland game. The showtime is 5 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock Central, roughly. The, the game, again, starts at 3 Eastern, 2 Central, so we're figuring about a couple hours for the game. Uh, Assembly Call Radio will be coming on right up after me, pretty much, here tonight uh, at 9 Eastern, 8 Central. And the men are also playing on Sunday at Maryland. So they'll, you know, so we'll have, you know, a couple shows on Sunday, it looks like for our fans, but the men play about an hour ahead of time. So I don't think we're going to have any issues with, um, with scheduling, but if we do, we'll let you know, watch our Twitter feed, watch our Substack feed on assemblycall.com. Speaking of which, if you want to see us do the show live and be a part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at, that's the at sign, at symbol, Back Home Network, youtube.com slash at Back Home Network. Uh, you can also, like you mentioned, you can follow us on Twitter uh, or X, uh, search Doing the Work, and we should come uh, up in your first hit. Uh, you can follow us there at Doing the Work uh, or DTWIUWBB on Twitter, or excuse me, X, X formerly known as Twitter. I still have a hard time with that. Um, you can also, you know, again, and you can, uh, you, want, you can be a part of our private community as well. Find out more about that at assemblycall.substack.com. Special thanks to John Ringer of Riggs Design for designing our, our logos. Also, a big thank you to Bob Thompson for our music that you heard throughout the broadcast. I want to thank all of you for listening and being there and being supportive this evening as I, I did this solo. Kathy, you're not feeling well. Kathy, I hope you're feeling better. We'll get Kathy back in here on Sunday. And thank you for listening. Until we talk to you on Sunday, keep your elbows in, your eyes on the rim, and let's go Hoosiers. And that's a wrap. I'm sold by Kathy in the chat that Illinois – or excuse me, uh, Michigan State up big on Illinois, 56 to 24. And hold, assuming they hold on to that, they'll move up to 11 and six as well, tied Nebraska for that four seed. So again, a lot of important games on Sunday that will really shake out and, and, and will be very important in the path that IU has um, for winning a Big Ten title in, in, in Minneapolis next week. So again, I want to thank everybody who, with their kind words, obviously, Kathy, appreciate you being in here in the, in the chat and watching, uh, watching along, even though you didn't feel up to joining the show. I totally understand. I've been there before. Uh, but 
you know, again, all you, thank you for your kind comments. Uh, I hope I didn't bore you to death. Hope I didn't, uh, hope I didn't ramble too much, but it was fun, but it was, I, I miss my co-host, my co-pilot here tonight. So hopefully she'll be feeling better by Sunday until then we'll talk to you all and everybody have a great evening.